0: Our philosophy behind data quality is that data quality is something that is best owned by the data producers. We don't make any sort of data quality fixes in the data pipeline. If there is something bad, we let it go through. Our job is to make sure that we actually have
1: really good systems to find out deviations, to find out issues. I wanted to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading data specialist recruitment business. They are experts in recruitment strategy and delivery for analytics and data teams. They are the go-to recruitment business for all your data roles in Australia, and they can help both with permanent hires and short-term project-focused data resources. I've used Talent Insights in the past, and I've always found them fantastic to work with. Visit them at talentinsights.com.au We've had a few questions come in as we were just chatting. So first is from Rachel. It says, uh, you said it is best to actually test a model on a sample of population. How fast could you test a model if it would take some time to see the outcome or the performance?
0: Uh, Rachel, I don't
1: know. I, uh, what I realize is we need
0: to have that instrumentation in place. Uh, we are not yet there. I think that's the next challenge for us. How do we do that? I would assume that given the volume of transactions that happen in, uh, in a company like Afterpay, right? We've got hundreds of thousands of transactions happening. We've got uh, decisioning uh, things. We've got so many things happening. I wouldn't imagine we need to take a lot of time. That's my gut mm-hmm. feel. But mm-hmm. frankly, I don't know.
1: Yeah, Great. Great answer. Um, definitely the, the volume will, will help because, um, you know, in, in like smaller organizations where the volume is limited, you, you uh, sometimes are, are hampered on the amount of experiments that you can run um, in parallel. But as the a, as a scale grows, you can get faster answers and you can run more experiments at once. So that's that's great. Uh, question from Adam. Uh, what are your thoughts on enabling business users to self-serve for simpler data queries? Um, and to ensure that the data scientists' expertise are well utilized? Well, we've already been doing it for almost one and a half years now. Mm-hmm. So our key
0: metric last year was for the entire team was we had exactly one number all of us need to hit. We needed to hit 100 active users for our data platform. We have only 50 yes. data scientists.
1: So, was- what,
0: so our goal was to work with security, privacy, compliance, all the other important functions to make sure that our data platform, we can, uh, in a very responsible way, provide access to other cohorts in the community. We've got legal people writing SQL. We've got almost all the product managers writing SQL. We've We've got actually product designers actually directly consuming data to figure out, uh, what is a target population? We need to do um, a focus group in. Mm-hmm. We've got um, um, we've got we've got product engineers. We've actually got engineers in uh, in product teams. They run uh, queries on the data. We get data through Kafka. We get data for some payloads in every, in one hour. So when they release certain things into production, they get telemetry data from uh, from systems like Sumo Logic, Neural, those types of technologies, but. Ultimately, they also are also interested to figure out uh, our, trans- our orders coming through? Do we see errors? Do we see behavioral uh, insights that we can actually get from transaction data? So we've got engineers and teams writing SQL. So we've already done that. We've been doing that for one and a half years right now. So I would say we well, probably 50% mm-hmm. of the cohort are not data analysts and people who not don't do data for a regular basis. So, yeah. Uh, the, uh, my answer is yes that's a very good idea
1: and everybody should do it mm. and how was the, the start of that process did you did you have to um, uh, provide provide training or was there other capsules and incentives to to help people move in that direction
0: in, uh, in general we follow uh, we don't push anything mm. uh, we have a data support channel and it started off with people asking questions. Mm. And then, look, I think in every company, you've got data analysts and they get asked very simple questions and they themselves say, can you give access to this person to this? But sure. And then for them to, and then if you take the engineering crowd, right, they already are familiar with SQL. We needed to give them coaching on how to write SQL in an analytical system. We use Redshift uh, because the the performance characteristic of an analytical parallel data warehouse is very different from a transactional system. So we had to give some coaching on on performance. And that is as simple as, hey, there are these six steps you need to follow to write get good performance of that. That is number one. Number two, what we did is, again, we, we the prerequisite was that we actually designed our tables really well. So it was easy. So we've got exactly one order table for all the geographies that we work in. So we've got global schema. So we launched in a new country. We don't have a different schema. So things are easy. Awesome. Then, the, then the, the third aspect is uh, is basically that we realized that it is very useful to actually have a simple Google Doc with starter queries that people can use to actually write stuff so that they can get going. Once they get a hang of, hey, you can join this thing to this, this thing to this, then people know how to figure things out. Uh, we have to do a lot of work. We are actually working on uh, testing out Amazon as a data dictionary platform. That's one thing that's going we are very excited with a lot of the features that are that they are developing in the open source community with lineage with um, with auto data automated metadata extraction etc. So, but that's the next step. Again, to summarize that answer, right? I think uh, giving uh, designing really good tables, uh, giving some coaching on how to get good performance out of analytical systems, and then providing starter SQL queries that give an example of some basic stuff is good enough.
1: I love it. That is fantastic, man. Thank you very much. So we might jump into the poll actually. So we've had about 95% of people answered the poll. So thank you very much for everyone to who took a moment. Um, and you everyone should be able to see the results now. I'm just sharing. Um, so question one: what percentage of data science projects fail? Most people said twenty-five to fifty percent of them. That was fifty-eight percent of people, Um, and then the next most common answer was just over, just above that, fifty-one to eighty percent of data science projects fail. Very interesting answers. Um, Nitish, what are what are your thoughts? Look, we have a lot of work to do. I I am not
0: surprised, but hey we all need to work together and as i mentioned right probably it's more on us data engineers than the data scientists so i, I accept our mistakes
1: yeah that is that is um extremely kind and um from um, in our in a conversation um, in our sort of pre pre recording conversation with nitish he he asked me to to google the the um I, at least the the publicized um, stat for for this answer, and um, I was surprised. I was surprised to to find out. So, Nitish, could you tell us a bit more about yeah. about that?
0: Well, actually, the users can do it themselves. They can if you simply go to Google and search for big data failure, see what happens. I'm not going to say the number. You can find it out for yourself. And uh, because I am slightly ashamed to say
1: it. No, it is it is true. It is um surprising uh, when when um. Yeah, when we maybe look across broader industries, or or when it's measured by um by maybe by business or areas that are non-data scientists, um, the number is definitely um, different and and, and higher uh, than than what we what we have there in the in the poll. Very interesting. Question two was: Does your organizations have a data engineering team that supports your area? Sixty-seven percent of people said yes. Nice. And 33% of people said no. What um, What are your, your thoughts there, Nitish?
0: Look, I think it may also be the uh, the state of the organization because when mm-hmm. I started, probably before when I started, there was one software engineer who was moonlighting as a data engineer. I think that's fine. I think until an organization hits a certain level, um, we don't need specific data engineers. Uh, another aspect right? I would add on to this is, mm-hmm. I think data engineering... Uh, is, should be divided into two things at big organizations. One, you have a concept of a data platform engineer, and then we have a concept of a data engineer. The data platform engineer is the is the empowerment platform role. Data engineer itself, right? If you, if you think about the data mesh uh, concept and everything is really, how do we empower other teams to do data engineering themselves? In that case, I believe that it should become a skill than a role. And then with the aid of uh, people uh, who think like Steve Jobs in platform engineering teams, others should be able to actually send data to these uh, new systems as well. Because getting new data into a system, oh, that's another goal, I didn't tell you that. Another very important goal for, uh, so my organization next year is, how do, when Afterpay doubles, how do we have 50% less tickets? Which means that we have to enable other engineering teams to send data to the data platform themselves. That is very hard. So, uh, sorry, I went on a long for, but but ultimately, I need to be to redefine what data engineering needs a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, that is that is very very good point. So you had um, the distinction between the data platform engineer um, working, yeah, working on the platforms on the on the enablement, and yeah. then having a uh, a. Another data engineer that focuses on um, on the data or on the or on the pipelines. Where where do you see the other one?
0: Yeah, so I think the the pipeline element, right? If you take let's say a mobile application team, right? We've got different engineering teams in Afterpay. Uh, take any company. Let's take a bank, right? So they may have uh, a fraud risk team at Nap, right? Mm-hmm. We don't need to have a data engineer there to send data to the data platform. We should be able to give abstractions that a software engineer do, uh, should be able to send data to the platform. Then, and then the data product becomes the, owned by the, the team which creates the data so that it's, it's much faster. Because mm. ultimately, for the, if you think about a library also, I mean, if we can have a biggest library in the world, but if all the shelves are empty, then that doesn't work. So if we have a new book released, we need to have the shelves full of the new books immediately. So I think one uh, one problem with uh, if you take question one, right? Many projects fail in because many companies simply there is a huge lag between the time when a new application or data is created to when it's available for analysis. And that's the, that we need to solve that.
1: That is an. Awesome point and and, uh, related to a question that we have from Ayaz. So I I know that you have a a different and refreshing perspective on this too. Um, Their question is, um, what does your team do to help improve the data quality and data reliability within your organization?
0: Uh, Our philosophy behind data quality is that data quality is something that is best owned by the data producers we don't make any sort of data quality fixes in the data pipeline. If there's something bad, we let it go through. Our job is to make sure that we actually have really good systems to find out deviations, to find out issues. And then the people who are best placed to solve the problem, usually, right? In many cases, the problem is at source. I'll give you a very simple example. In one of our data uh, systems, um, uh, the issue is very poor quality of the state field in Australia. We, we realized that in because of the web form, yeah. Yeah. it has got a, a plain text field. We've got even very funny names for NSW, like New South, W-H-A-L-E-S, right? Very fishy about it. So uh, <laughs> so what we realized is the solution is not us having um, a layer in the data pipeline, which takes all the 3,000 versions of states and then mapping them to the uh, the under 10 territories and states in Australia. The solution Mm. is let it flow through. If the pain is really there, the analyst or the user who cares about it can work with the product team, fix the form and do a one-time fix of the data. I strongly believe that that's the right way to do it. It is harder, Mm. but that's the only strategy we can solve data quality problem. And uh, there are pipeline issues that will happen. And a lot of it is us exposing and giving context to data saying, Let's say, if you take Amartsen, right, I'm looking at a table, what is the scariest question that a data engineer can get in a day? The data scientist says, this doesn't look right, I see an exception. And the first question is, and the problem is, I, I tell this to my colleagues all the time, you are guilty until proven innocent. So... What you need to do is to actually have good visibility on the quality checks that you run, hopefully in context of a data dictionary. So so they can look at a table and say, quality score for today based on uh, uniqueness, uh, um, based on test, et cetera, is 99%, right? Have numbers on that. And if you have a problem, right? then, Then they know for sure that, look, I see a blip in the number, that's probably an insight and not a data quality error. I think that's how we can go at it. So to summarize, we should never fix anything in the pipeline, work with uh, with people at the source to fix it. Number two, have good data on quality so that people feel comfortable in using the data and not chasing their tails on whether it's actually an
1: insight or an error. Great, 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 great. Love it. Thanks, mate. Um, going back to the poll, question three was, how quickly can an organization stand up a data science Platform and the winning answer from forty-two percent of people said within a quarter uh, that an organization can stand up a data science platform. And then others, the second most popular answer was more than a quarter, with the other two options being within a month and within a fortnight. So within the options, they are definitely weighted towards the the longer time frames. What are your your thoughts? Uh, go, go to
0: Afterpay Technology <laughs> blog and uh, look at an article we wrote on how to set up a data platform. I won't say how much time it took for us to set up a data platform. And uh, so I'll, I'll let the readers find that out. But uh, my opinion on this is, let's define what a data platform is, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. If all you need is basically something beyond SQL, you just need an environment to actually get something running, you can do it in a day. Or well, in a small company with twenty mm-hmm. people, you have uh, if you're on Amazon, have an EC2 box and then put Jupiter Hub over there, get security right, get access. You can be done in a day. Yeah. If if you are in a company like uh, uh, I don't know if you are if you are in the in the Australian National Nuclear Authority and you need to have exceptional security on the data, it may take a month because you need to get a lot of things solved. And um, The technology tools out there exist out there to actually do these things very fast. Mm. So getting a data science platform up and running uh, version one could be done in a day, depending on the size of the organization. Uh, And my suggestion uh, with this is try to do it faster and then put it out there to the data scientists and figure out what they really want. The platform that we built, again, I let the users go to Google and go to Afterpay Tech blog and figure out how many days it took for us to get it running. We set that up almost two years ago, mm-hmm. and we thought we are going to throw
1: it away. Yeah.
0: What we realized is that was good enough. for That is good enough. That's running even now. Awesome. We, we, we need, or do we need to actually engage a vendor and do this massive POC across three vendors, across three months, spend a million bucks, we pro- the amount of money we spend over there is so tiny, and the value we got out of this probably thousand or hundred thousand x the investment we put over this. I mean, you just look at the after pay growth. I
1: love it. I love it. And um, yeah, I know that it's it's um, definitely towards the, the lower end of, of the multiple choice answers there, which is extremely exciting. Um, we had a related question from She. Hey, She. Um, she says, what are the, the elements of, of a data science platform? Sure.
0: Look, I, I think um, at the bare minimum, right? The data science platform should be something that enables data scientists to actually uh, query the data, do analytics that is beyond the constructs of SQL. For example, the, the lingua franca of most data scientists uh, over here, say, the SQL, Python, or R. Hmm. Bare minimum, PHPU should be able to run. C- a lot of things ha- happen in SQL itself then the platform should actually support uh, running things uh, which support iter- iterative uh, constructs uh, and things like that in uh, Python or R. Ideally, if there is an ML element and if you can actually not limited by the compute of a box and if you can, towards a higher end, you can actually have multiple jobs running in a container environment so that uh, th- that's the next level. Uh, I would say the next element of that is, okay, you've done the analysis. Now, how do you communicate it back? I think that platform, how we've done it is we enable people to write output to a sandbox schema in our data lake itself. It's beautiful. I mean, it's it that concept of enabling users to write to a data warehouse is probably a complete no-no to most companies, not for us. And that has made such a big difference because, look, if you've done good work, right, ultimately the first thing you need to do is communicate to your your colleagues and your stakeholders. Mm-hmm. So I think that element should also be made easy. You've done an rule analysis, write it back to a table and be able to take it to the next level and have a discussion with people on using Tableau or any BI tool or even, you know, take it in an Excel. And the next stage of a data science platform is, okay, you've done all that stuff. Now, how do we click a button and set, and update a um, REST API which serves a model? So this is the... I would say the whole gamut of what a data science platform could be.
1: Fantastic, thank you very much, that is great. <clears throat> we had question four in the poll as, does the data engineering function in your organization focus on doing all the work themselves or do they focus on providing self-service tools? Winning answer was uh, both, that so they do a bit of a mix um, with then uh, the next answers was doing all the work themselves, 27% of people, then providing self-service tools with 21% of people, and neither was 6%. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts there, Nithish? Uh,
0: look, I, I think it's, a, it's again, it gets back to the stage of growth in a company. Mm-hmm. Initially, we used to do all works ourselves. Then we moved to providing self-service tools. And mm-hmm. right now, I think, I think we are in the both mixed stage right now. Uh, I believe there will always be Ballots, because um, mm-hmm. the reality is, even if we actually go all full data mesh, right? People will still feel like somebody should take accountability for very critical data sets like financial data sets. I don't see those types of workloads moving to out of the uh, core platform team because. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, as you can think about it, the stamp of approval and trust and comfort, there's something to it. And then if your primary job is not that and your job is really to do engineering, you may not take the care uh, or accountability mm-hmm. to make sure that this is actually right. Because you know, ultimately, these are businesses and businesses need to file returns, especially if you are a publicly limited company and uh, uh, they are audited. So we need to have that level of... So I would think that at any stage... Realistically, we will have the mix of both.
1: Yeah, great, 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 great. And I, I, um, I love the way that you describe what I find so interesting about leadership in this space, that um, there is no one right answer. There's no one size fits all, one approach fits all. Um, that the answer is it depends. It depends on the context, on what the where the organization is, the the stage of the journey. I love it. And, and, and you're able to um, describe the different stages uh, so yeah, so eloquently that it really helps understand at what point to to pull in yeah, different approaches. Absolutely. And, and uh, if you think about a
0: NAV or an ANZ or a big company, right, their, their goals, they are at this different stage of growth in their organizational life. So there is nothing wrong with them focusing more on the stability than innovation, and that's fine everybody doesn't need to do the same thing.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, question five was a, a new um, topic for, for most people. The question was, have you heard of reverse ETL? Um, 76% of people said no, with 24% of people saying yes. Um, could, you, could you share your, your thoughts there?
0: Uh, when I saw this, uh, I think, uh, think it's it was Redpoint Red Point Venture's mm-hmm. blog in Medium. Uh, when they mentioned this, said, wait, haven't we been doing this for the last four years? Yes. So w- what, what we realized is, I- I'll give you a good example, right? One of uh, uh, my very uh, good colleagues is an amazing data science manager, right? He-, he moved on from a company, he's in a different company right mm-hmm. now. I went for vacation. And I gave him, he said, "And said, hey, Nitish, I need to do something. He said, oh, yeah, sure, do what you want. Then when I came back from vacation, what I realized is he has built a production process that actually takes data from, uh, I think it was Zendesk customer support stuff. And he built an application which sends data back to Zendesk to actually trigger a case from customer support so that they can actually make calls uh, to users. He did it three years back. I didn't need to get a tool. I just need to go on vacation so that he built the stuff for <laughs> me. It ran for a year. It saved millions of dollars in losses. And I love look, it. It. there's nothing to it. I think it's a question of it. Again, comes back to what is success with data, right? You've done the analysis. You're a data scientist. So you figure out right, that this is a high risk merchant or a customer. What's the okay? You found it. What do you do? Well, don't ship. How do you not ship? Tell the merchant not to ship because this is potentially a fraudulent transaction. Or take action. Mm-hmm. And, and it is really an operation of the data assets you find, right? And in a very real sense. It could be sending stuff from... Look, I think, what is the name of the marketing person? I think it is Maker. What he said is uh, 50% of the advertising uh, investment is waste. We don't know yeah. which. Well, we know. Yeah, yeah, because we we have a data pipeline that goes to our marketing system, and we have a feedback loop. So it's Correct. a cycle. We've had that for three years now. So
1: there is nothing new. I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, for 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 the people that don't that don't know, uh, reverse ETL is kind of like a new bum, buzzword of something that has been done for for a long time, uh, and it's when. You have information from the data warehouse going back to your source systems to to trigger some some action, uh, like Nitisha is exciting with with Zendesk in this case. Um, other other typical ones is going um, information going from your warehouse to Salesforce or to your marketing platform and and kicking off some action there. Um, traditionally in data warehousing, it was an anti-pattern to, uh, to ship information into production systems uh, because then that creates a dependency on the warehouse. Um, the, the solution, typical solution, was to create an API that could help you do that um, instead of having sort of a, 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 another type of uh, connection. And now there's, um, there's a lot of sort of VC, virtual capitalist, um, money and interest in, in creating um, this new kind of like product a uh, new area of a new product and they're calling it reverse ETL. So for the people that don't know, a bit of, bit of history there. Um, last question from, from the poll. Uh, I can't believe we're almost on time. man. This has been great. Um, question six was, in your company, how long does it take for data professionals to become productive? Uh, 39% of people said within a month. And it was very close. 36% of people said within a quarter. Wow. And then... Eighteen percent of people said within a week, and six percent—six percent of people said more than a quarter. Um, so yeah, people saying within a month or within a quarter. What are um, what are your thoughts, Nitish?
0: Oh, Felipe, I mean, we really owe it to the data scientists here. I mean, we have yeah. so much work to do. I think as an industry, right? We, uh, and and the profession of uh, data engineers, I think we have a lot of work ahead to push
1: that. We should reverse it in a year or two from now. That'll be great. I love it. I love that perspective. And we've had um, really nice comments coming through the chat. Thank you very much for that. So from Anuradha, she says, excellent discussion from Nitish and Felipe. Uh, Wonderful insights and questions. Thank you. We also had from Rachel, great insights. Thank you so much, Nitish. Uh, from Benny. Great discussion. Spot on with the topic and the current trend in the market. Yeah, I agree. Uh, from Sumit. Uh, Thanks, Natish, for all the great questions that and, and for all the great questions that have been asked. Great discussion. Loved it. And Thomas says, uh, this was great. Thanks. I had to uh, pop out for 10 minutes in the middle. Would the recording be available so I can listen on the part that I missed? And yes, the answer is yes, Thomas. So this will be uh, available on our YouTube channel, and it will be released through the podcast as well. So keep your eyes on both of those. Fiona Nelson says, "Great discussion. Thank you, um, Nitish. This has been amazing. Um, I yeah, as I said at the beginning, I love your refreshing and unique perspective on what data engineering uh, can be, and and how you brought that to life. And um, definitely a, a a global leader in this space, mate. And I am." I am, you know, so excited by your your vision and one that I think uh, more companies would should should look to to adopt. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. I I love it. I love it so much.
0: My my, my pleasure, Felipe. Thank you very much, uh, and and thank you very much for all your leadership in in frankly making Australia such a leader in this space across the world.
1: That is a Very kind, right? I I thank you. I really appreciate that. And thank you. Thank you to everyone that joined live. Thank you for all your your comments and questions. Come back next Friday for our next episode, which is with Lillian Pearson. So author of a few data science books. That'll be a really great episode. Now we're doing episodes on Fridays. Thank you to our sponsor, Talent Insights. And thank you so much, Natish. That was awesome. 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 Have a great day, everyone. Take care. See you next time. Bye. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.